I'll tell you what, this week three is finally a great week of Big 12 football. I'm Pete Mundo. We are HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, being a part of the show, your Big 12 independent digital media outlet. And before we get going, guys, please a reminder, uh, rate, review, hit that subscribe button. Helps us out tremendously. This podcast has has really uh, blown up because of you this season. We are getting thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of downloads because of you. I can't thank you enough for that. And I will send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in return if all you got to do for me is leave a rating and review and then send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's all I ask, and it helps us out tons. Thanks so much, guys. All right. The first two weeks of the Big 12 have been, yeah, they've been all right. Nothing great. Nothing to really uh, write home about, to be honest. But week three is when the action really gets going and really starts. I'll do picks later in the show, and uh, my goodness, I hope I, I do better than last week. Last week was a mess for me on the picks front. So I'll get to that coming up later in the show. But let's talk big picture about what this week means for the conference. Right now, the best win for the Big 12 is probably, you could debate it, but I would say it's Oklahoma State over Oregon State. You want to say it's OU over Houston, fine. I would say it's Oklahoma State over Oregon State. Two weeks in, part of that's the scheduling, but when that's your best conference win, doesn't tell us much, you know? Doesn't tell us much at all. But here we go into week three, and you've got a ton of Power 5 opponents in the Big 12. You've got Kansas at Boston College, You've got West Virginia taking on NC State, Kansas State at Mississippi State, Iowa State, Iowa, TCU at Purdue, Oklahoma, UCLA, Texas Tech, Arizona. That is a fantastic slate. That are some big-time Power 5 games. you got Pac-12 opponents, you got Big Ten opponents, SEC opponents, ACC opponents. It's awesome. I mean, it's a classic kind of day where you sit on the couch if you're a Big 12 fan, you kick those feet up, you crack a beer if you want to go mimosa in the morning for the 11 a.m. games, beer in the afternoon, little whiskey at night. This is that type of weekend if you're a Big 12 fan. But it's also going to be very telling because this is the kind of weekend that can make or break your perception around the country with the national pundits. Now, you know and I know the Big 12 is never going to get the love of the SEC. Uh, it's just not going to happen, even the Big 10 for that matter. I mean, Michigan struggles with Army uh, to score any points. Now, you want to compare this to OU-Army last year when OU needed overtime to beat Army. I don't think it works because at least OU is putting points on the board. Michigan's offense with Shea Patterson is stale and stagnant. They make all these changes. The offense is what it's always been there. Non-existent for the most part. The Big Ten's getting a lot of love. The SEC is getting, as always, a lot of love. And now that LSU's beaten Texas, it's like, oh, maybe three SEC teams. Shut up. I've heard enough. I've heard enough. Please don't do this to me. But the Big 12 has winnable Power 5 games as well. If Kansas State can go on the road and beat Mississippi State, I mean, that all of a sudden, Kansas State, who has owned its first two games, dominated its opponents. If Kansas State can go on the road and pick up an SEC win. All of a sudden, you know what? My uh, my radar is going up on the Wildcats. 
not for a team that I think is going to you know compete for a Big 12 title. I don't believe that to be the case. But a team that could win, let's say, eight games and surprise a couple of the top dogs in the conference. If Iowa State can get a ranked victory over Iowa in a game that Matt Campbell has yet to win, that would be huge. You got college game day there. I'll get to that coming up in a couple of minutes. But, uh, you know, that's a great win for the conference. It's a great win for uh, the program. Matt Campbell wants to get that Iowa monkey off his back. And, yeah, it's an Iowa team that a lot of people think could win the uh, Big Ten West. That'd be great. Purdue, slow start to the season there for the uh, Purdue Boilermakers. But I'll tell you what, for TCU, which is not expected to, uh, you know, necessarily compete at the top of the Big 12, I need to see that to believe it. But for TCU to go on the road and beat a Big Ten opponent, that's a big deal. That'd be a great win for the TCU Horn Frogs. Now, Purdue has uh, lost to Nevada. That was a shocker opening week on a Friday. And then they beat Vanderbilt at home last weekend. So now they've got TCU of the Horn Frogs. Let's see that defense live up to what we think it is. And hopefully Max Duggan is the quarterback there moving forward. And away we go. OU should roll over UCLA. That team is still rebuilding. And the other really intriguing one to me is Texas Tech at Arizona. Now, I don't know what Texas Tech is just yet. I just don't know. They played mediocre at best competition. At best, mediocre competition. But they've looked really good doing it. You can't take anything away from them. You're going to now play an Arizona team that lost to Hawaii in the Week 0 game. I remember watching that one. And then beat up Northern Arizona in uh, Week 2. So it's not a great Arizona team by any stretch of the imagination. It's a decent Arizona team at best. But Texas Tech finds itself in a situation where it's like, okay, if our middle-tier teams of the Big 12 can beat the middle-tier teams of the Pac-12 single-handedly, that's good for the conference. The conference needs to do that to establish itself as what I believe is right now third-best Power 5 conference in America. I might be able to justify second, but for now I'm going to say third behind the SEC, who I have to give credit to as much as I hate to do it, and then uh, the Big Ten. Now, I think there are programs in the Big Ten, as I mentioned, who are overrated, but for right now, I will still give the Big Ten the edge over um, over the Big 12, and then I go ACC because it's Clemson, and then there's everybody else. I mean, that's what the ACC is right now. That's, that's, that's it. I, that's what it is. And there are two ACC opponents for the Big 12 this week, so I shouldn't speak too soon because Boston College and NC State uh, both favored over Kansas and West Virginia, respectively. But it's a massive weekend for the Big 12 because, remember this, some people say that bowl season doesn't matter. So when the Big 12 does really well in bowl season, which they've done the last couple of years, and they, you know, Texas beats Georgia and things like that, the haters will say, well, bowl season is hit or miss. It depends who's trying. It's like, okay. It's all about the non-conference in September. Okay. Well, here we are. Non-conference. Get some wins. Big 12's got to strut its stuff. That would be um, ideal. All right. College game day is going to Ames. Wow. I, this is uh, unbelievable to me. You know, I started covering this conference about 10 years ago. My first radio job was in Woodward, Oklahoma, and they are actually an affiliate for our radio show, so shout out to them. 
fell in love with the conference, uh, fell in love with the style, the characters. At the time, there was a lot of realignment talks, and and then this whole thing, Heartland College Sports, kind of took off. I developed it when I was in New York working at CBS Sports Radio and Sports Illustrated, and since I moved to Kansas City, where I am now, I've continued it, and it's grown even further because of you guys. But I think back to the Paul Rhodes era, and, and to think that this team, this program, this university – is hosting a college game day for football is unbelievable. No disrespect to Austin. The Texas fans were were fantastic last week. It was a great showing. But I firmly believe that this college game day at Iowa State is going to be uh, an all-timer. It has the potential to be an all-timer. The nation is going to get to see one of the most underrated fan bases in the country at its absolute best. And that's exciting. That's thrilling. Not just for, you know, Iowa State fans. This is good for the Big 12. You know, if Matt Campbell can build a little mini uh, dynasty that's kind of out of the Big 10 West mold, which is what it feels like Iowa State is in many ways. It feels like more of a Big 10 West team than it does a Big 12 team, which is fine. I mean, I'm not complaining about what Campbell's doing. But if he can really keep building this thing and and hyping it, and, and this weekend is a huge opportunity for that, I mean, man, it's going to be great. It is going to be great. And every Big 12 fan should root for that, by the way. Because a rising tide uh, really does lift all boats. I believe that. I've always believed that, whether it's, you know, in economics or sports, whatever it might be. I believe that wholeheartedly, and I think that's what this weekend's going to be about. And Hey, give College Game Day credit. We've been busting their chops for years on this show. But they have now gone to two Big 12 games for two straight weeks. Now, they're not true Big 12 games, but they've been the two Big 12 campuses two weeks in a row. It's absolutely fantastic for this conference, for the Big 12. It's good for everybody involved. So exciting times all around. And uh, really good stuff for the conference. I'm excited to see what this weekend holds. I'll do my picks later in the show. So every week I want to encourage you as well. If you want to ask questions um, on this podcast, just shoot me an email. It's Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm starting to get those in my inbox, and I'm always happy to answer them for you. I I got one here from Victor. Pete, I was wondering if you could talk about your thoughts about the fallout from the Texas LSU game and how it might affect the Big 12 come playoff selection time. As an OU fan, it kills me to say it, but if Texas could run the table, they should be in the playoff. Same for OU. I know the SEC chest pounding is going to be annoying and the cries for a three-team SEC playoff will be deafening, but I still think the conference championship is going to be a major factor. Look forward to hearing your thoughts. Uh, Well, Victor, I'll say this. Um... If Texas runs the table without knowing what happens around the rest of the country, yes, Texas should be in. If OU runs the table, of course it's in. No brainer there. But here's the more important thing. The college football playoff selection committee has to look at this Texas LSU game and put stock and value into it because you want to encourage these types of games for you want to encourage these games to be played. There's no other way to put it. I want to see more of Texas LSU. As much as I want to rip my hair out over Todd Orlando's blitz call on third and 17 at the end of the game, that was awesome. 
you know, I'm sitting there Saturday night. I got barbecue from Kansas City Joe's. For those of you in the area, you know that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm living life. It's great. It's still warm out. I'm watching Texas LSU. I'm pumped all day for the game. I want to see more of that. And some teams are doing a better job than others at scheduling these types of games, um, not just in the Big 12, but across the country. But if you start hurting teams for playing these types of games, guess what? We're going to go back to the old days of three cupcakes and then conference play. And that's boring. It stinks. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes it. And that's why the most important thing the college football playoff committee can do is that let's say things are close, right? Let's say Texas is a two-loss Big 12 champion. Let's just throw out a scenario here. Texas loses to LSU like they did. They lose to OU in the regular season by a field goal. They come back. They win the rest of their games. They beat OU in the Big 12 championship game. Should that two-loss Texas team be in over a one-loss SEC team that is not a conference champion? To me, the answer is yes. That is a no-brainer. Because here's the deal. If Texas has scheduled a cupcake game there instead of LSU, there's suddenly a one-loss Big 12 champion, and then it's not even close. The playoff committee cannot start making decisions on wins and losses when one of those losses is by a touchdown to an LSU team that looks like it's going to be a top 10 program all year long. Now, if that one-loss non-conference team happens to be LSU, different story. But if it's a Georgia or an Auburn, then absolutely Texas should have the advantage because one of those losses is to LSU And yes, they have a conference championship. So great question, Victor. Happy to answer these every week. Just shoot me an email with the questions. Uh, You've got Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com. All right, a lot to get to. Coming up, the Big 12 Coaches Teleconference was on Monday. Some interesting comments from some Big 12 coaches. We've got the audio next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Hey, guys, Pete Mundo here. And now that we're actually in the college football season, it's here Well, there's only one place to make those Big 12 bets, and that's mybookie.ag. I'm using them. I hope you will as well. It's the only place I'd recommend to my listeners. Use the promo code BIG12, that's one word, BIG12, at mybookie.ag for a 100% sign-up bonus with a minimum deposit of $45 and a maximum deposit of $1,000. And I guess I should point this out, BIG12 is BIG12. Don't spell out BIG12, just BIG12, one word. At mybookie, you bet, you win, and they pay. MyBookie lets you bet on which college coaches are going to get fired, Who's going to make the playoff? Who's going to win the Heisman Trophy? Can OU do it again? You can bet on halftime lines, live odds, even the FBS versus the FCS games. It's all at mybookie.ag, promo code BIG12, up to $1,000 in the first deposit, minimum deposit of $45. So mybookie, that's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, and the promo code BIG12, that's one word, BIG12. MyBookie.ag. Bet, win, get paid.
Well, something I'm going to make sure that I do throughout the season is uh, listen to the Big 12 coaches teleconference every Monday morning. I try to do it, and then whenever there's something really interesting, I'll make sure I bring it to you right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. I'm Pete Mundo. We're part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. So I want to start with uh, something that Mike Gundy said about Spencer Sanders. You know, a lot of us, myself included, were critical of Mike Gundy last year because he didn't play Spencer Sanders, one of his prize recruits. Taylor Cornelius was was a fine player, um, but, you know, you bring in this Gatorade Player of the Year in Spencer Sanders, and it's like, dude, you can play him in four games and still redshirt him. Like, why not do it? Well, Mike Gundy was asked, after the great start to the season thus far by Spencer Sanders, whether or not, or I guess why, it was so imperative for him to sit Spencer Sanders for last year. Here's what Gundy had to say about that this week. He, he wasn't ready to play last year. He, he uh, didn't have a grasp of our offense, and he was making an adjustment of, uh, uh, from high school to, to college and did not come in early in spring. Some, some quarterbacks that play um, young, they come in early. Well, he, he didn't come in early, and so it, it's extremely difficult to start uh, in August and all of a sudden put yourself in a position to play in games. And he he wasn't ready last year, in our opinion. And for that reason, he was able to sit, develop, grow, watch, and learn. And I think it helped him tremendously. I'll give Mike Gundy this. When it comes to quarterbacks, uh, none of us should question him. I still wish that Sanders got a few snaps last season. But it seems like Gundy's approach was just let Cornelius do the job this year. Let it be all about corndog. Let's not throw this guy in there. Let him get exposed and then, you know, hurt his confidence for an entire offseason as he's getting ready to be the starter. We don't want to do that to him. So let's just take this approach and think long term. And, you know, I give Gundy credit for that. Like, I was one of those people, and let's be honest, most of us were saying, hey, give Spencer a shot. Let's see what he's got. But if you think back to it last year, the problem was never the offense. You know, Taylor Cornelius, sure, was he Mason Rudolph? No, he wasn't. Uh, not many guys are, but he was more than serviceable, and he was, for the most part, not really the problem with the team. And while Spencer Sanders has played two really bad defenses in Oregon State and McNeese State, it certainly looks like Gundy's been proven right, and for that, he deserves credit. So let's see how uh, Sanders handles the increased competition here moving forward, but certainly so far so good. Speaking of quarterbacks, you had Chris Kleiman um, speaking about Skylar Thompson, basically saying, what's the difference between this guy last year versus this year? Here's what Kleiman had to say about his starting quarterback. I just think he's so much comfortable and more confident at the line of scrimmage to be able to adjust to play. Uh, We've given him a lot of freedom to do that. He's done that on several occasions through two games and, and gotten us into the uh, to a better play maybe um, but uh, no I, I just loved his preparation and uh, his command of the offense right now and every single ounce of that credit you can give to Chris Kleiman and his staff Skylar Thompson last year was not happy with the staff he was not happy sharing snaps and you saw it every single Saturday He's got the confidence. He's got the swagger. We've talked about it, and that is Kleiman confirming as much in as, uh, I guess you would say, polite a manner as possible. All right, then you've got Neil Brown. Uh, Neil Brown talking about, obviously, a team that can't run the ball, averaging one yard per carry, 
and an offense that is struggling mightily. But, you know, there were questions about Austin Kendall, right? And whether or not he was going to go to Jack Allison. He went to him for a series last week um, in that game against Missouri. Is there a quarterback battle rebrewing in Morgantown? Here's what uh, Neil Brown said on that front. I think eight times in the first three series, I had him get hit. Um, I thought that there was a, there were times when he threw the ball really well. Um, I thought he showed courage by staying in the pocket and and continued delivering the ball. He's got to make his decision making's got to be better. Um, he's got to do a better job with his eyes. Uh, so I think there's plenty of room for improvement by him. So we've got to play better around him. Ding, 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 ding. Yep, the offensive line blows. That's exactly what Neil Brown is saying in a polite way in Morgantown. The offensive line is a mess. You could have uh, whoever, Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield, Sam Ellinger, doesn't matter. Have any of those guys back there behind the Mountaineer offensive line. They're all getting smoked. The offensive line's a mess. You're averaging one yard per carry, now, give or take a tenth of a yard. It is a mess right now in Morgantown. I still think Neil Brown's the guy. I love him. It's going to take some time, though. It is going to take some time. There's no other way to say it. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We appreciate you joining us. And that's the most concerning thing for the Mountaineers. And it's not even close. The most concerning thing for the Mountaineers is the fact that they're sitting there and they've got an offensive line that can't move anybody. Now, I know the Big 12 is not known for its defensive lines, but James Madison's an FCS team. Very good FCS team, but still an FCS team. And then you look at Mizzou. Mizzou's got, you know, a decent front seven. So they've got some talent there for sure. They're an SEC program, but still... I mean, this incompetency up front could end up hurting West Virginia all season long if they can improve at least a little bit. If you are going to have a running game that cannot get anything going and an offense that's going to have to throw the ball but can't keep the quarterback upright, how is this team going to score enough points? Never mind to compete in the Big 12. How is this team going to score enough points? I'm having a very, very difficult time trying to figure this out. So it is going to be fascinating to follow and fascinating to watch, but um, I'm really concerned. I am really concerned about West Virginia and how this program is going to hold itself up going forward. Also, let me touch on uh, Kirk Herbstreet for a couple of minutes, trying to make, uh, make nice with Iowa State fans. You see this? Kirk Herbstreet went on a podcast and said, oh, yeah, I don't see Matt Campbell leaving anytime soon. This after... He tweeted out a couple of years ago, Dear athletic directors thinking of making a new hire, I'll save you your coaching search. Firm free. Go directly to Ames. Get Matt Campbell fast. Herbie probably never thought he'd be in Ames for a college game day, but here he is this weekend, and now he's on a podcast this week being like, I don't see him leaving anytime soon. Ah. Iowa State fans, don't forget there, Herbie. They won't forget, my friend. They're not going to do it. Don't you worry about that one bit. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. You love how that works, huh? Now the guy's going to Ames, Iowa for college game day. And I'm just picturing Herb Street, like, last week, begging ESPN executives, please don't send me to Ames. Please don't send me to Ames. They're going to destroy me. 
Iowa State fans are great folks, Herbie. It's okay. Seriously. They're, they're just going to maybe give you a hard time, but nothing personal. Hey, you said it, not me. You said it, not us, buddy. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's get to our picks for week three. It's coming up next. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Let's get into it. My Big 12 Week 3 picks. I'm Pete Mundo. We are Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. So what I've been doing is I've been I'm giving you a couple of picks each week that I like and then sending you to the uh, website for the full slate of picks. I'm going to try something different this week, which is basically give you every pick that I've got uh, against the spread or an over-under for these games, explain a little bit about why, what I'm thinking, and I was terrible last week. I went 500 week one, terrible, absolutely horrific last week. So bear with me here if you want to fade all my picks. I don't blame you one bit. Hey, I want to be useful to you. That's what this is about. This show is about you. It's not about me, man. It's about you. All right, let's get into it. Kansas at Boston College Friday night. I am jumping on BC minus the 21. Try to get in before it gets to four scores. So BC minus 21 uh, against Kansas. BC is a solid and underrated ACC program right now. On top of that, you have a Kansas team that can't stop the run, even against Indiana State and uh, last week against Coastal Carolina. Now you've got A.J. Dillon, a first-team All-ACC player in the backfield. They are going to run this thing and run this Kansas team into submission. They are home as well. Kansas flying halfway across the country after a loss to Coastal. I know these might be the games where Les Miles uh, historically might surprise you, but I don't believe that to be the case, not with this team this year. So I'm taking B.C. minus the 21 on Friday night. Meantime, let's go to Saturday's action. Kansas State, I'm getting eight points, and I'm taking it. I'm taking Kansas State with the eight points. This Chris Kleiman team just looks different. It feels different. I understand, as I've noted many times, the competition has not been great. But Mississippi State is far from a complete team right now. It's far from it. So if I can get Kansas State with what I've seen so far, yes, against an SEC opponent, but getting over a touchdown, I'm all into it, man. I am absolutely all into it. Nick Fitzgerald is gone from Mississippi State at quarterback. They are bouncing back and forth between a couple of guys. K-State's got to stop the run. Kylan Hill lit him up last year for a couple of hundred yards. But I expect Kansas State to focus on stopping the run and then – you know what? Let the secondary do its trick. A.J. Parker already an interception. Two passes defended early this year. He's been a big part of that uh, that secondary scheme for Kansas State. And when's the last time Chris Kleiman was an underdog, huh? And, and now you get Chris Kleiman as an underdog? He's got to have a little chip on his shoulder as well, wanting to prove himself. So I, I don't know if Kansas State wins outright. It's going to be a tough game. But I get eight points. I'm signing up right away. All right, Cyhawk, um, Iowa State fans, I'm not going to be there this weekend. As I mentioned, I will be at Iowa State, though, in the next uh, next couple of weeks. I'll tell you about that here coming up, probably next week's podcast. But I will be up to Ames soon. Hopefully that's long enough for Iowa State fans to forget that I'm about to pick Iowa minus the two and a half points in Ames this weekend. Um, here's the thing, and I thought that Chris Williams, who we had on the show, put it very well. Iowa State is building a Big Ten-style program, which works better in some ways against the Big 12 
than it does against really good teams in the Big Ten like Iowa. Um, my problem right now, my biggest issue is this Iowa State offensive line that I thought was going to be improved that looks really, really weak in week one against Northern Iowa. I know they kept it vanilla, but still, the Iowa State offensive line was not getting the push I'd expect. And now you got to go up against a very quality Iowa defensive line led by A.J. Apenza. This guy's an all-Big Ten player. And Iowa State has got to figure out how to stop him and how to slow down that defensive line for the Iowa Hawkeyes. So you got Nate Stanley, who's the more veteran quarterback. He's played in this game before. Um, It's going to be a wild environment. It's going to be a great game. But I'm trying to do this as unbiasedly as I can. I want Iowa State to win like all hell. I want Matt Campbell to get this monkey off his back. But I'm, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I'm putting my money on these games. So I, I I have to do what I think is right, and that is take Iowa minus the two and a half points uh, against Iowa State. So there you have it. All right. TCU on the road against Purdue. This is interesting. The spread opened up as TCU with a field goal underdog. They have flipped it all the way to TCU being a field goal favorite. That worries me a little bit on the road, especially considering TCU's quarterback situation. So what I'm going to do in this game is I am going to take the under 51 and a half, and there's a couple of reasons why. Uh, first off, let's just give you some numbers here. The total has gone under in seven of TCU's last nine games on the road. Uh, the total has gone under in four of TCU's last six games overall. The total has gone under in four of TCU's last five games against a Big Ten opponent. So those are some of the reasons, first off, I'm taking the under. And TCU has to play a methodical game to beat Purdue. Jeff Brom and Purdue, they want to score points, and they want to score points fast. They thrive off the big play. TCU's got a great secondary, and uh, it's the strength of this team. Purdue has not come close to seeing a defense like TCU's this season. I think TCU will be able to slow down Purdue and will slow this game down. Whoever they use at quarterback, it's going to be methodical. It's going to be, you know, Run, 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 and they are going to try to chew clock, stop the big play, and while I feel like TCU will get this win on the road, something like 24-21, I feel more confident about the under 51.5 for TCU and Purdue this weekend. I hate going unders, but uh, I'm doing it this weekend, TCU and Purdue. Oklahoma on the road against UCLA. Give me the Sooners minus 23. You see this... uh, UCLA has given away free tickets to the game. That's how bad it's gotten out there. There will be no home field advantage. It will not exist. OU is uh, exponentially better than what Chip Kelly has and is rebuilding there uh, for UCLA. It's frankly a mess. So I'm all on the Sooners minus the 23 points. UCLA has combined for for 28 points in its first two games. OU's offense is going to do a lot of damage. OU minus the 23. I like that there. All right, then uh, we've got Oklahoma State. This one has been very tricky for me. Most of the money's pouring in on Oklahoma State minus 14, uh, but the line's not budging, meaning the wise guys are on Tulsa, so to speak. But my gut is just not there. Um, I'll go with the wise guys if I have reason to believe, if it confirms what I think is going to happen. But oftentimes what I do is before games, I will um, you know, pick the spread in my head and say, what do I think it should be? 
this feels low. Oklahoma State's offense has looked really good. Uh, Tulsa's has been shaky at times. So I'm going to pick Oklahoma State to cover the 14 points. They're 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six games, 4-2 and two against the spread in their last six games against Tulsa. These two teams know each other well. Um, give me Oklahoma State minus the 14 points. We've got uh, three left. I'm going to go with Texas Tech minus two at Arizona. Um, here's part of my thinking here. First off, I know it's late at night, you know, Pac-12 after dark type situation. But here's the deal. Uh, I looked this up. Historically, simply betting a home underdog in college football because the home underdog does not pay out well and is not a good bet. Texas Tech has impressed me a lot thus far. Yes, it's been against mediocre at best competition. But the offense is humming right along. The defense has held opponents to 3 of 31 on third downs. Khalil Tate's a different beast for Arizona. But I don't know who the Wildcats can stop. Uh, you know, they've given up a combined 86 points to Hawaii and Northern Arizona. They can put up points, but, man, they can give them up too. And in a game like this, I'm going to go take Texas Tech because its defense appears to be significantly better than what Arizona brings to the table. So I like Texas Tech to go on the road and get a solid win over Arizona on Saturday night. Give me Texas Tech minus two. Uh, West Virginia, NC State. I'm going to go with the Wolfpack. And once again, I don't want to do it, but I got to do what I think is right. West Virginia is a mess. NC State is improving on defense. And uh, this West Virginia team, I know they're home. But once again, home field overrated at the college level. Home underdogs for the sake of home underdogs does not make sense at the college football level. NC State is the team right now that has its problems. And it's not the NC State team of a couple of years ago when all these guys went off to the NFL. But it's still a program that's in better shape than what I see out of West Virginia. I'm sorry. So I got to go with NC State minus the six and a half. Last but not least, Texas and Rice. All right. Give me the under 57 and a half in this game. It's tough. Rice looks like it'll be playing its backup quarterback. That makes this game dicey. But combine that with the fact that I think this Texas defense is going to want to get back on track. The under has hit in four of Texas's last six games. Um, they're going to keep it vanilla ahead of Oklahoma State next week. It's kind of that awkward in-between LSU and conference play starting. I don't want to touch the spread in that scenario. So just give me Texas getting out of there with the win. I'll take the under 57 and a half in that game for the Texas Longhorns. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. We're placing those bets, by the way, guys, at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code BIG12, BIG12, for a 100% sign-up bonus. Uh, minimum deposit, 45 bucks, maximum of 1000 BIG12, BIG12, for a 100% sign-up bonus. That's where I'm placing my bets. All right, thanks so much for joining us this week, guys. Hit that subscribe button, rate, review. I'll send you the free koozie. Just email me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. You guys are awesome. we got the recap show coming up on Sunday on Facebook Live, on Periscope, and, yes, on the podcast. Tell your friends. Tell your family. We appreciate that. We're growing every week because of you. Have a great week, guys. Enjoy the games, and we'll talk to you soon.